0: You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast, your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Going Offsides podcast. This week, we're going to be talking some Utah lacrosse because that is a premier opening late in the season. And we're going to talk about the uh, PLL matchups this weekend because it is, it is playoff time right after this. This is it. This determines everything. And this is what matters. Plus, there is congratulations in order as our co-host Ryan Kuhn over here. Coach Kuhn once again has, uh, has climbed
1: his way back into the college coaching ranks. Willkommen. Bienvenue. Welcome. Um, Thank you very much. Um, I'm excited to be on again. And um, yes, I'm excited to be uh, doing this podcast from my office here at Trine University. Um, You know, just excited to be back into it excited to be here. Um, I think this is a a great institution that has a lot of potential to, you know, maybe take that next step at the division three level. Um, just excited to be back, um, you know. And guess what? I don't have to move again this time. Um, mm-hmm. So happy wife, happy life, and um, the old coach gets to gets to do what he loves. So I'm I'm excited about it not as not as excited as I was to hear that during the uh, interview process, I was referred to as the older candidate. So that was a little <laughs> piece of humble pie. Um, you know, um, right. but Andy, then I do realize I do 36. I do realize that I, I I have been coaching at the college level for over ten years, so um you know i am I, I am a little bit older, so um you know, and the gray hair doesn't help. but well, yeah, I'm I appreciate happy for it,
0: you. Man. And i'm happy for me because now i get a discount at one of the best golf courses in indiana whenever i make the trip so there you go pretty pumped about that all right moving on utah
1: this one is
0: kind of caught us off guard well everybody off guard right like it's late for a d1 opening it's late for a power five opening i mean i was reading a piece by terry foy in front of the pod and he said that he was with Holman like two weeks ago or or a week ago, and and they accepted a verbal commit. Like Utah had a yep. verbal commitment for next year, and then like five days later, the, this news comes out. Yeah, so it's, it's hard uh... to believe it was planned if if that's the case. And you know, I've I've heard rumors. Terry kind of pointed to some things, you know, very vaguely that there's some turmoil possibly within the athletic department as a whole on, on what lacrosse is going to look like, but I mean, they're already all in that. They, they have the facility <laughs> I mean, they, they have a new conference. I, I don't know if they wanted success faster and I don't know what they're expecting or, you know, pretty much every administrator that was gung ho about lacrosse has kind of moved on yeah, retired. From, from or Utah, moved on. Yeah. Yeah. They've either retired or, you know, moved on to Iowa state. So, It's, it'll be interesting to see how this
1: all plays out, but now they get to pick their guy and, uh, you know, let's speculate why not? (laughs) You know, anytime something like this comes out, you know, it starts for, you know, the rumor mill starts up because one, it's late, two, it's a really good job. And three, you know, Brian Holman and his staff, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, they've always appeared all in when it came to, you know, the Utah lacrosse program, the Utah lacrosse brand. And the landscape. Yeah, and the landscape. So, you know, it's obviously a little strange, especially, you know, you know, early August, you know, kids are going to be returning to school. So I think there's, there's a lot of things there that, you know, you've alluded to, and I'm sure there is some validity, you know, when a new athletic uh, athletic director comes in, um, make no bones about it. You know, they have their sports that they really gravitate towards. Um, And especially at those bigger schools or those administrators that don't have a lacrosse background, you know, they typically, you know, shy away from the sports that they don't know. So I have no doubt that, that, you know, there was a conversation between, you know, Coach Holman and that athletic director about the vision and the future for the program. And you, I wouldn't be surprised they didn't at all. Align. Yeah. They yeah did, they didn't and, and, and that could be it. And, and, you know, for, for a coach who, and let's just call it like it is, Coach Holman has a background at Hopkins UNC. Um, those are two programs that take lacrosse very seriously. Um, and even as a volunteer assistant, you know, you, you, you know, while he was at UNC, you know, you're still seeing how that program is ran. He was there every day. Um, you know, and, and the way things were when he first got to Utah, you know, they might not be that same way moving forward. And for somebody like that, you know, especially, you know, to, to try and get some high level recruits where you can build the program into a national title contender. Um, if you're taking away some of those resources and you're taking away the ability to attract those students, you know, then you kind of just, fall into that, you know, mediocre realm, which is maybe what the new athletic director wants. Maybe he wants to push more resources back towards football, basketball, whatever. And, you know, you know, who knows? Uh, It's just either way, you know, Coach Holman's gone, um, you know, and now they're looking for a coach and it's it's just wild. There's no other way to put it. It's absolutely insane to me. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, that job, I think that I was reading somewhere that I think, you know, um, Coach Holman was making well into the six figures and then his one, you know, uh, Coach Manny was was making a solid salary for, you know, an assistant coach. You know, while that might not be as great as some of the other places in the country, you know, it's still still pretty good. You know, he, yeah. he's making more than a, a division two or a division three head coach. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, I've been around D1 staffs
0: where where the head coach was in the six figures, which is, you know, especially at a public institution is to be expected. And, you know, the first assistant was very close to six figures. And the second assistant was a step down from that. And he was making more of a D2 head coaching salary. And then you had the volunteer who is still getting what a D3 head coach might make in a given Mm -hmm. year. With travel teams and camps and everything like that, so yeah, I, it's a great point about the resources. Maybe, maybe they're, they they want to dial it back a little bit at Utah. Maybe the the donor support has shifted. Who knows? We we don't know. And uh, maybe the new AD or the new admin just doesn't care about lacrosse, which is you know wouldn't wouldn't shock me at any school in America, right? Because a majority of ADs still don't. You know, if you're looking at it on the grand scale of things. Half the schools in the country don't have lacrosse. So more than half of the 80s don't care.
1: Well, listen, if if and I'll just shift it to a different school, if the alumni weren't who they were and are who they are and the history wasn't there, You'd see Hopkins probably be in the same boat because you know they've definitely in years past have dialed things back for their program, and it shows um you know I'm not saying they they you know they've completely devalued the program they haven't you know they still get a no, lot of no, great they're resources a
0: big Ten program
1: but you know but let's call it let's call it like it is they're not competing on the same level that the other big ten schools are
0: no and if they didn't have the success that they had for as long as they had it, they would have shifted to d three hmm like the rest of the school, and you know, same thing. You you always
1: wonder about um, Hobart. The same thing, like. Well, they tried to they tried to shift to D three for everything, and then the alumni went absolutely bonkers. And you oh, know, yeah, thank- I think
0: that happened somewhere else too recently, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and Pretty but much. but they
1: haven't. The alumni, where is it? Hartford
0: haven't stopped it from happening.
1: Yeah. Well.
0: Or is yeah. it? It's Hartford, right?
1: Yeah, it's Hartford. Well, their entire uh, class decommitted, so um, there's a, yeah, and there's the a lot, Stanford, there's, a, so. there's a ton of dudes in the portal. So good luck with that, man. Yeah. So
0: let, let's speculate and have some fun about who the coaches could be. Now, I've heard rumblings of, I mean, pretty widely known names here. So you know, just like when Michigan hired their coach, great point made by Terry. You're looking at a lot of high level assistant coaches looking for their first shot probably, and Mm -hmm. uh, guys that come from winning programs or have a very long pedigree. So uh, some of the names that were mentioned in his article and I've also heard uh, mentioned on Twitter are Ryan Wellner, who is at Notre Dame, previously at Navy, you know, just a staple for the last. I mean, I I don't remember ever being involved in the game where he wasn't a well-known assistant coach. So he's probably looking for that right opportunity for him to step in. And then you've got Sean Kerwin from Virginia, formerly of Brown, and before that, I mean, just basically has tough with, sky. Yeah, has been with Tiffany for a long time, and uh, and yeah, he's just kind of a genius, if you will. And uh, again, a guy that a lot of people think very highly of, and then a guy that we had talked about off pod last week, and we were like. I wish he was in the mix, but I don't think his family life would uh, allow it because we saw how hard it was for Bobby Benson this past year to make Maryland work just with his family living in Georgia. And uh, if his wife wasn't such a rock star and killing it in her career, like it would probably be a no-brainer for him to, to pursue a D1 head coaching job, right? Because he's had so much success. He's very well regarded, at least in the coaching mm-hmm. community. As a, as a lacrosse mind so you know those are three guys that have been mentioned uh i know a lot of people have mentioned that well manny who is currently you know as far as i know the top assistant at utah is interested and in, in is pursuing the role so uh, out of those four names that people have already thrown out there who would kind of be your front runner and then we can kind of speculate on some people that aren't on that list
1: well i i think i i think there's been a lot of phone calls. I think guys, you know, just off of this list, they've, they've definitely reached out to some head coaches that they thought might be interested. Um, they'll definitely go that route with, um, probably, I don't want to say definitely, but I think they'll go the assistant route, but, um, You know, I think Ryan Welner is a good guy to go after. I mean, he's a proven recruiter. He's done really, really well. um, And and make no bones about it. He was the guy that kind of made Navy go in terms of recruiting. Um, He was that way at Stony Brook, too. Um, So he's, you know, he's an exceptional recruiter. Um, I think it might be really hard to pull him away from Notre Dame um, because, you know, he essentially took the role that Jerry Byrne had. Um, You know, and that's a a great thing because you got to think about it, too. You know, Coach Wellner is is still relatively young, and he you know he's he's got um, definitely a bright future as a head coach. Um, but you but Coach Corrigan is is definitely getting up there in terms of um, age. So who knows how much longer he's going to want to yeah. coach? You know he's still eventually we're going to have a coach from waiting. Yes, day. I, I think you're going to end up with the situation that you have with Matt Brown out at uh, Denver, who is guaranteed to have gotten a call. Um, if I'm Utah, that's the guy I'm calling. Um, you know, I know he is a coach in waiting, but you know, coach Tierney doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. If anything, this might, you know, if Matt Brown did get a call and he considers it really seriously, this might be the one where T thinks like, oh, you know what, you know, give me two or three more years. And then that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know though. You know, so I think, you know, Matt Brown would be a guy you'd want to see go after. Wellner, um, Kerwin, I, you know, I think he's somebody that is, you know, obviously from an offensive mind. Um, he's phenomenal. But there are so many other pieces that go to that go together with being a, a successful head coach. So Plus, do you
0: even want to, you know, yeah, if you have a, a job like that at Virginia, you know, national contender every year, probably doing fairly well on the pay scale. Mm hmm. And same thing with Walner. Is it really worth leaving unless you think it's a perfect situation? Yeah,
1: I it, mean, like, or
0: it, if you don't really want to move that far out, I mean, you're going to be traveling a lot more <laughs> with the Utah schedule than you would with a Virginia schedule.
1: If I'm if I'm going after somebody, you know, you got to go after somebody to really kind of keep that trajectory going. You know, you got to go after somebody young with juice, right? Like, I, and I would go after somebody who's done more with less. You know, yeah, an, Andrew at, an Andrew McMinn at an Andrew at Robert Morris, Keegan, uh, Keegan Wilson at, at Marist. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I could even see John Galloway's just salivating over an opportunity like this. I think he could do really well out there at Utah, even though there are some rumors running around that he might be doing something else. Um, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, if, uh, you know, I'm not going to say what I want to say. Um, but, you know, we'll uh, we'll just call it like it is. I think you know, John Galloway would do really well there. Um, you know, you need to get somebody with juice, somebody who uh, is a proven recruiter because, um, you know, and a culture driver because you know kids will get out. They they have no problem getting kids out to Utah. Um, I think some of the things that have kind of you know stifled their growth a little bit is that getting kids to stay. But I think that's part of a growing program as well because you get that first group of kids then you're going to start recruiting better kids and then better kids after that. And the kids that were initially there that really aren't playing much, they tend to kind of maybe want to go somewhere else. So I think, you know, like a guy who's doing more with less, like I would, I would go after McMinn, I'd go after a Wilkinson, Um, you know, but then there's also, you know, some older assistants that might fit the bill too. So uh, I think it's, they're going to cast a wide net, but you know, from what I've heard, um you know will manny's obviously in the mix i i think he'll get a courtesy interview i don't know if he's going to seriously be considered for it now as i say that he'll probably you know be the front runner here in 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 in, in a bit but you know it is what it is
0: i i like the the take of giving a guy who's had success at essentially was in basketball terms a mid-major school Mm -hmm. and has kind of reached that ceiling of I can make the tournament, but you know at, at some point it's really, really difficult without the
1: resources to take it yeah aside. why not go listen, why not go after a guy like Merrick Thompson at Albany? why not? He I probably mean, won't leave uh, coach Moore, but that dude can recruit that guy can coach an offense um, you know I know he's been in the mix at some uh, you know some some pretty high profile jobs, so who knows?
0: Well, and then so Terry brought up another point, and this is where it gets a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fun. That there are a handful of candidates that have college coaching experience that are not currently in college, and so I had mentioned one to you uh, before, and and I think this is a guy that was a proven. You know, if you look at all the PLL coaches right now. Mm-hmm. There's one guy that stands out. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, 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 at the college level, a lot of them have done okay, right? They they they're not bad college coaches by any means, or they coached at places that were very hard to coach at, like mm-hmm. Dartmouth. But Chris Bates was a staple at Princeton. I thought he was doing a great job at Princeton. Everyone I've talked to that he coached at Princeton loved him. However, you know, a little bit of a <laughs> A little bit of a, a blemish there uh, on the way out but i don't think that's something that can't be forgiven i don't think that's something that can't be ignored i mean the pll ignored it i think if you're utah and you want a guy that's just a proven program leader that knows how the d1 landscape works and can take whatever you give him and get it done i mean he's when, when you coach in the ivy league all right you're definitely not short on resources right like no one's saying that yale or harvard are short on resources however you do have certain limitations that other schools don't have Mm -hmm. so like having the an increased budget possibly or even the same budget at utah but having that just power five that public school um landscape and, and atmosphere might entice someone like that and I don't think – I mean, you couldn't be mad at that hire, right? Like, you, yeah. Maybe it's not what you would expect. Maybe it's not what, you, what some people want. But I don't think anybody could see that and be like, that's a terrible hire. I think that would do very well. And then obviously, uh, you know, there's always JP lurking out there who kind of built the Michigan program, has has seen this club to, to D1, to power, you know, power five. I mean, it's pretty much Michigan 2.0 before the Big Ten came along and loves him some hiking and loves him living out west because i believe he bought a house in oregon recently Mm -hmm. so you know there's i mean i I think my gut says that he's kind of done but you never know there's few people that have like these west coast ties that have a strong enough resume to go after a job like this
1: yeah, well, I mean, like you go back to the whole thing that brought Coach Tierney out to Denver. You know, he had family out here. Um, you know, there was kind of that pull, and you know, he's a, he's a bright guy. I think he saw that the things in the Ivy League were changing, and they not weren't necessarily changing in his favor. Um, so, um, but uh, once again, that's that's a pretty strong statement, and I think it's true. Um, you know, you never know who has those West coast ties and, and those Utah ties. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it's a, it's a great job, um, on the outside looking in once again, you don't, you don't know what's going on on the inside. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I feel for, you know, you feel for coach Holman, um, and then you feel for the rest of the staff because obviously, you know, th- those guys could be very well out of a job. So that really kind Which, of, stinks. yeah,
0: it isn't to be clear. It's not a knock on any individual. Whenever you're an assistant coach and there's a new coach you're halfway out the door yeah exactly so not to say that they couldn't all stay or should stay it's just that you know whenever you you get the as a head coach you have the right to bring in your own staff if you so choose so we'll we'll mm-hmm. see what shakes out with all that
1: well they're not going to get them out there but here's my here if if i was if i was them and i was calling somebody i call jay coon over at rit and i'd be like hey you interested That guy, he ain't leaving upstate upstate New York, though. Here's, you
0: know, putting on the the athletic administrator hat here and letting people know how this all works behind the scenes. There's not a chance in the world that anyone in the athletic department would understand the value of a guy that has coached at RIT and won or even knows possibly what RIT is, which is the sad thing. Because they're in their own, like nose up to the world power five bubble and well and all the and and here's the thing too
1: all these other guys they have agents reaching out to these athletic Mm -hmm. administrators on their behalf so
0: yeah i'm sure that there's some more names that we're missing but you know i think all of these guys would be great i've also heard leland rogers thrown out there i personally think that nope Nope. you gotta go with somebody young
1: nope
0: and uh (laughs) Moving on to the PLO. All right. So we have our first ever six-game weekend, which I'm excited for. You know, it can't come soon enough. The 6 p.m. start can't come soon enough because I can perfectly sandwich a a preseason football game in between these two games and and get a little bit of everything tonight. So uh, first of all, this is the last week that matters before. I mean, it is the last week before playoffs. So it is the last week that matters. And we've got a couple more marquee matchups, but I mean, realistically, the only game that has any significance on the playoffs is the Cannons Chrome Saturday and Saturday night, 7 p.m. Both teams are two and six. Both teams play only one game on the weekend. And they're both playing for the last spot in the tournament. So who's your favorite and why?
1: This is the stuff. This is what I live for. All right. Um, this is a great weekend. Um, I wrote about it in my, uh, in my weekend preview, go check it out on lax all stars. Not a big deal, but, um, it's just going to be a great weekend to lacrosse I, The to finish it at Albany, which is slowly becoming kind of that Mecca of college lacrosse in terms of fan engagement and, um, you know, uh, fans going to the game, it's going to be a great weekend. Um, you know, uh, and having a lot of those Albany guys go back to where they played, uh, it's going to be a really special weekend. Um, you know, in terms of that Saturday night game, um, You know, I'm ride or die. I'm going to ride it till the (laughs) wheels fall off. And I hope I'm not wrong, but there's, you know, there's a 50 50 chance I'm going to be. I'm going to go cannons. I just, you know, I have this feeling that, you know, Lyle under the lights in his home stadium, you know, and, and, make no mistake about it. The cannons have been slowly, but surely getting their act together and playing much better. And so have the Chrome. I think, you know, this will be the best game of the weekend, but there's, there's storylines on both sides, you know, winner go home for the cannons, you know, you know, those those guys will, could lose in end front of, of their an home era bench. for
0: Joel White. And, and then end of Galloway. an era with
1: Joel White and John Galloway potentially oh. being their last game. What stinks is that, you know, both of these teams aren't gonna be, you know, there's gotta be one winner and one loser. Um, but I think you're gonna see a level of play, um go up a whole nother level. Like, yes, I picked the cannons. I, 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 you know, I love that team. I really, you know, I love coach quirk as a coach, um, you know, and I think Lyle is obviously a generational talent, but you know, th- there's also something when you add that other element of it being, you know, those two guys last game, you know, they're the two captains of the team, you know, and you're talking about a Tim Sudan coach team. It's gonna be a slugfest, man, and it's gonna be great. This is this is gonna be like a New York upstate style lacrosse where it's gonna guys are just gonna be beating the heck out of each other.
0: So I think that both teams have the same weakness, and that's that's defensively, mm-hmm. like like overall. I I think the Chrome have the talent on offense. I think that the injuries really you know hindered them. I, I think that it's there. Obviously, it's hard to not give the edge to to the cannons on offense. Here's the thing, though. I have a slight favoritism towards the Chrome here. I I picked the Chrome. And the reason being... I think I picked the Chrome. But I'm picking them now for the sake of argument because the thing that has really killed the cannons all year long is face-offs. Yeah. And the Chrome have not really been blown out too often. and No, they're always in the mix. Exactly, exactly. So I think if the Chrome can... If Farrell can win fifty-five to sixty percent, which I believe he well, is the better face-off man in this thing, in this, I ag- I however, agree with however, you. However, and this is both of our problem with him, turning a clamp win into a face-off win, yeah, and listen, not turning it into immediately into a turnover.
1: Yeah, but, but you know, well, here's the thing, you know, and 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 you said it, and then you kind of, you know, you kind of got to my point with it. Yo, know, he's got to win fifty-five to sixty percent of his face-offs to win, to put them in a position to win the game, and I completely agree. He's got to win fifty-five to sixty percent of the faceoffs and get possession for the Chrome, because, like you said, he does a, a, a solid. Yo, know, he can win the clamp; he'll get the ball, but a lot of times that, you know, once he gets the ball on his stick, that's where things can kind of go crazy. You hold and your breath. If you think that the cannons aren't going to be game planning for that. You're crazy um, because, you know, then it just makes it a 50, 50 ball again. And then it essentially can end up being a three on two because, you know, you know, now, you know, he's getting stripped of the ball. He's going upfield. The ball might be going somewhere else. And, you know, you have your three other um, cannon players ready to jump on the ball. I, it's going to have to be, um, you know, if they can win the faceoff and keep possession, I think you know he has a distinct advantage. Uh, you know, it, at winning the draw, um, they just have to keep control of it. If they can control the ball off the draw and get solid offensive possessions, I think they're going to be in a position to probably win the game.
0: I mean, listen, let let Joel White eat, let yep. Tarasenko eat, let these wing guys like let's let's change. I I don't know who's coaching the faceoff unit. But, like, let's change our angle into a quick clamp and let's get the ball out to the guys that can handle it really well. Because, you know, Connor Farrell has come a long way, but he still, you know, is not a ball handler yet.
1: No. And you want to know what? Uh, This is a guy who played two sports in college at L.I.U. Post. So he he missed out on fall ball, like, you know, like where, you know, and obviously he's played. This is now his third year in the pros. So, and he's, you know, he's created a, a really great thing for himself where, you know, he's this next generation of face-off guy. Um, he's continually getting better. He hasn't even hit his peak yet or his prime as an athlete. Um, but most people also forget that, you know, he, he missed, you know, he missed half of a year every year in college. So like that other development, you know, it just, you know, it, that definitely, you know, if he had that, he'd probably be in a, uh, in a different position right now, but he's obviously getting better every single week, every single game, every single season. So, um, but you know, you've definitely seen that progression over, over time, but you know, that's definitely Mm -hmm. a big thing that if they can control that, they're Mm going to be in a good position to walk away with a win.
0: Yeah. And listen, Dylan Malloy now being with the team, having some chemistry, that's, that's only going to help, you know, the guttering trade, I think was interesting because you know, we haven't talked about that when, when they traded guttering for grill, it did fill a need that we, we both saw that the defense for the Chrome was so hit or miss, but I think I saw that Bernhardt's back. You mm-hmm. add grill. Okay. You lose guttering, but you added Malloy. So think that they're better off. I mean, I, I don't think guttering for grill is a straight up, you know, fair trade, obviously. It's not an equal trade. But when you look at need for need, I need a deep hole right now. I just signed Dylan Malloy. That worked out. I have an extra attackman. I would love to keep him, but like, I need a deep hole. Let's just do it mm-hmm. and, and get, a, let's get into the playoffs this year. And I think that's as simple as you could make it. I mean, how else do you give up guttering for grill? You know, yeah so uh that, that's gonna wrap it up today for us folks go watch all six games mostly on peacock but i think we got some some non-peacock games going this weekend and or i mean they're all on peacock obviously but uh, i think we got i'm double checking here real quick one yeah game, we got some i, I yeah, think we got, we got some, one uh, one game CSN. tonight yeah yeah Every and night. The
1: game and the yep and then the um you know, the big one on Saturday, obviously, you got the Cannons uh, playing the Chrome. That's on NBCSN. And then the game... Chaos on Friday.
0: Ar- and then on Sunday, we got Chaos Redwood. So the Chaos get two NBCSN games. Yep. So good luck. to. I mean, the, all the games are going to be good this weekend. You know, you got one versus two in Atlas Waterdogs on Saturday at 415 Eastern time. I mean, this is going to have a huge impact on seeding. I mean, yes, we talked only Cannons Chrome because that's determining who's the seventh team. But all the other games matter for seeding, and uh, trust me, you want that one seat if you're the Atlas or the Water Dogs. Yeah, and that's, that a, big game. That, that's a big game. Gives you the bye week. So, all right. Well, Ryan, you have a good rest of your weekend, and uh, I'll see you next week. You got it, buddy, buddy. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.